Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Freedom Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. In the galaxy not so far away, we return to Star Wars. It sounded so off. Star Wars. No, no. Star Wars. I can't. I can't make it Star sound Wars. like I wanted. I wanted to like not sound so tropey because we, we've done a Star Wars episode in the past in which I gave it a proper Star Wars introduction, but I don't know if I would feel comfortable doing like the same type of thing each time. But they they don't care. They're listening to me complain about this already like thirty seconds into the show. Which I haven't even introduced, Mark. Oh, there we go. Yeah, what is this? Welcome. What are we listening to? Second Print Comics. Who am I? Who are you? You're Mark. You're you're Remzo Mark. No, you're Mark Claire. Remzo Martinez. What? You're 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 Remzo Martinez. I'm Mark Claire. No. Oh my God. We're gonna really confuse new listeners if we, if we play this game. I am the marvelous Mark Claire. This is the rambling Remzo Martinez, and welcome to Second Print Comics. There you go. That's how we do it. The best comic book podcast in the galaxy, far far away. You know, the location of the galaxy has always been in question. They say it's far away, but there's really no, there's really, isn't there one Star Wars book, actually? I think it's in the books, and this might be extra nerdy deep dive. I think there is one Star Wars thing where they actually do reference, like, Earth as being the origin a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away as, like, the origin of all the humans that we see and the origin of space space travel and all that stuff. Could be making that up, though. It's been, like, 15 years since I read. Would it be canon? Would Disney approve? Well, no, it wouldn't be Disney canon now because no. I think they wiped out all the books, basically, except for whatever new ones might have come out after the, the thing. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna sidetrack us for a minute. I I've been the thing. That's what experts call business business the stuff. Business the thing. Of the thing. I, I've been really missing Battlestar Galactica, the 2004 2005 series. I loved that show. I still think it's one of the best scripted TV shows ever made. And I was going into some like. Battlestar Galactica deep dives recently, and there's this big fan theory that some people have spent too much time wondering about that connects the end of Battlestar Galactica to the beginning of Star Wars. You may as well be talking about Doctor Who to me right now. I don't. I know nothing about Battlestar Galactica. You never saw Battlestar Galactica. I've seen the first episode. Anyway, I think I've seen the Edward James Almost one. That was the one. For- that was the oh, one. he's that one. I, I yeah. saw like an episode of that. And thought it had promise, and then never watched another. Oh, episode. it it made that's how I roll. that each time I'm like, I wonder if the show will not age well. I go back and I look at like clips from old episodes from like a decade and a half ago, and I'm like, it still got it. Is it really that good? It's that good, man. All right. Well, speaking you, of, you'll which, find out when you live with your wife, Remzo. It's it becomes a little more difficult to manage media watching. Let's just put it that way. Oh, she she's the one who will binge a whole show in an afternoon. I'm lucky if I get to watch that, a show. That's a the year. problem. 
my my wife will binge a show so hard that she's actually afraid of shows now because she knows that if she gets into a show, it's like it's a it's a such a commitment that she like she literally can't do anything else. That's you know? heartbreaking. Like she gets she gets into a show and now it's like the rest of the world is gone and doesn't exist. And I got her into Lost by mistake. Ooh. I mean, like not by mistake. I, I asked if she'd ever seen it. And then, like, she didn't even really like it, but because she got so immersed in it, she just... She felt compelled to finish it. Yeah, it was, like, all seven seasons in, like, two weeks, and she never wants to see Lost again. And she never, she didn't really even want to see Lost in the first place. <laughs> but once you're invested, you gotta finish that. Speaking of invested, before we go on to our Star Wars story of the day, we're covering the first four issues of Star Wars Bounty Hunters. Uh, we've got some housekeeping to do. Folks, you know... That in Sweet in that the out. in the second print com- in the second print Sweet comics that. fiefdom, we're we're very kind to our loyal listeners. And what we're going to be doing now is another giveaway that goes from now by the time you're listening to this till the end of April. Sign up at the five dollar level or higher on Patreon, or upgrade if you're an existing patron to a level higher, and you will get. Three issues of the Thunderstrike series. Now, you're probably wondering, folks, who the hell is Thunderstrike and why should I care? Because you're all looking for that. I love Thunderstrike, the series. You're like the one person that actually like knows who he is. I, I don't know if I loved it because it was good, but I loved it because I was reading it. And I was reading it because it was a number one and a new character. As you know, in the 90s, that's about all it took for me. So, Oh, number one issue, new character, I'm in. So Spark Notes... Thunderstrike is basically Thor, but not Thor, but kind of Thor. And he's going to be featured in some way, shape or form in the upcoming Thor Love and Thunder movie. So if you want Thunderstrike, well, they're not cramming him as the character. Apparently, Thor will basically be a homage of Thunderstrike or some stuff like that. Long story short, this stuff might be worth to you, either sentimental value or monetary value. And I've got three copies of a few of the hot issues from his limited, I'm sorry, from not limited, from his short run. So if you want three issues of Thunderstrike, including issue one, which it's issue one of him, why not get it? Go ahead and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash second print pod before the end of April. And I will Kiss it on the cover, mail it to you, and get it to your door in lickety split. That's all I got. To be clear, you don't have unlimited numbers of sets of three issues of Thunderstrike. This is the the first first comer here, I believe. Correct? Yeah, I've got I've got issue one. I've got like another issue, and then there's one of She Hulk on the cover, which I thought about keeping because I I've, I've got a demented child crush on freaking she hulk from my teenage years and uh anyway i'm getting rid of that one too so if you want to see him fight thor the actual thor if you want to see him team up with the avengers i've got those issues i know we're a comic book show where i don't even know those numbers i'm giving it comics you should say thank you and support the show where you'll thank us even right. more well if we run out of those we we have another giveaway available too so i'll keep that in my back pocket but just know there's comics coming your way if you join or sign up at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. Of course, you can follow us everywhere. We are everywhere at secondprintpod over on Instagram, which we really don't do much with, to be honest, uh, over on Twitter and even Facebook, facebook.com slash secondprintpod, all the ways you can find us. And of course, we always do appreciate those wonderful five-star ratings, excellent reviews on Apple Podcasts that help us boost up in that algorithm. But speaking of algorithms... Let's just hope the algorithms love Star Wars because there's always buzz about Star Wars. By the way, before we get into this story, are you, how on a, on a scale of 
One to falling out of your britches, if you still have britches, if, if you even know what britches are. Are britches pants? Because I, it's questionable whether I wear pants during these recordings. Frankly, most of the time. I'm not sure what britches are either, to be honest. It's just a phrase I've always heard. Okay, busting but, my britches. Uh, I'm curious, what is your excitement level for, not Moon Knight, which we know you are going to be covering, but for our Patreon uh, every single episode. So that's exciting. And we will be discussing a Moon Knight story next week as well to tie in with that. But what is your excitement level since we're talking Star Wars for the upcoming Obi-Wan series? I'm so I I my my face cannot contain the joy. You don't look very excited. This is all I want. The only disappointing thing about it is that it won't feature uh race um Ray Stevens uh Ray Parker? Ray Ray Park, Ray Ray Park's Darth Maul. I'm fucking up everything today. Ray Stevens is an old is like a seventies old school yeah. pro wrestler. I could do a whole podcast about Ray Stevens if you want. This is the sloppiest first five minutes of a show I've ever let us into. I'm excited for Obi Wan. Oh no, it's not. Oh no, we we have way sloppier. Don't worry. We have a long history here now. Year and a half. They're, they're sloppier. I, I I am very excited for Obi Wan. It cannot come soon enough. I'm happy that it's only going to be a limited series, and that we also get to see him reunited with Hayden Christensen, who was Anakin in Episode Two and Episode Three, who will be reprising his role as Darth Vader. So I think it's going to be freaking awesome. I feel like Hayden Christensen, and maybe this speaks to the prequels that have a whole, they have had their own pretty interesting story arc with Star Wars fandom. You know, there were so, people were so excited when they first came out. I remember the hype, like, I was so excited. And then there was a lot of criticism about them at the time due to various, uh, you know, various different things, Jar Jar Binks being the primary one. But, um, you know, now I feel like they've come full circle that after the J.J. The Abrams experience, which I believe is the name of his podcast as well, uh, after the J.J. Abrams experience with the Star Wars franchise, I feel like the prequels have gotten this new life of appreciation. And because for what for all their flaws and various flaws that they do have, they are they are still George Lucas and they still feel like Star Wars and they feel like what Star Wars is supposed to feel like, even if it feels a little more for kids. But guess what? Star Wars is for kids, guys. We got you got to get over that. The, the millennials basically turned it into a cult classic. Yeah, that's. I guess that's what happened. Is it, is it the millennials that did this? It's either them or the Gen Zs. Guys- it, it was when we started turning episode three into like meme history. That's when I love episode three. I I, I never like I I like I liked episode three, and then I got older, and I was like, this is horrible. And now I look back at it, and I'm like, you know what? Like it in its proper context, it's a good movie. <laughs> By by Star Wars standards. And I feel like Hayden Christensen was one of the more malign parts of those movies in some ways. But at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot of the dialogue between him and uh, Padme. What's her, what's her face? You can see her in Thor. What is her name? Natalie Portman. <laughs> Natalie Portman. You know, it, yeah, it wasn't the best dialogue in the world. And it's not supposed to be the best dialogue in the world. I had such a crush on Natalie Portman. I didn't care. Really? Oh, interesting. Teenage me had a crush on a lot of actresses. That's right. You were much longer, younger, so you were probably not as turned off by her. You know, t- I'm not going to go here. <laughs> she just looks a little too much like a. I, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to insult the Portmans or anyone that likes the Portmans. Not as much of a fully developed. How woman. are you going to? She's, I will go there. Fine, I'll go all the way. She's not as much of a fully developed woman as I, as an adult. No, you see, that's why as I got older, I got more into the curvaceous drawings that hit up, yeah, that that hit up like Power Girl, (laughs) Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, you know, yeah, you you have it. There's the wheelhouse now, baby. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, (laughs) 
we could do the whole show on this. I'm I'm we we could we could do like a hottest comic book women episode. I think people the show's pretty good except for the misogyny. There's too much misogyny a in the show. A little less misogyny and it'll be perfect. I swear. <laughs> 4.75 stars. Just a little less misogyny. But anyway, I feel like there is more. It's funny because like he was kind of the one I think made fun of the most. And then they stuck him back into Return of the Jedi in that scene. And people were like, well, you're putting Hayden Christensen here. You and, bastards. Like, you ruined it. <laughs> but somehow this is all turned into extreme excitement for Hayden Christensen, which I just think is interesting and i he's getting toby mcguire levels of love from fans maybe so but i think toby mcguire was was always sort of appreciated for that spider-man in the beginning whereas i feel like hayden has more of an arc where he actually went through this part where he was maligned by the fandom and now is now fandom is like begging and chomping at the bit for him and and i think that we were supposed to originally have darth maul in this series and i think at some point and i've seen some some talk related to this that basically once I think Kathleen Kennedy is the one that produces this show. Once she she basically went to Filoni and Favreau for advice, and then after that meeting, start like Darth Vader became the villains instead of Darth Maul. Now, like fans love Darth Maul, everyone wants to see Darth Maul back. I'm sure we'll see him in a show. But if you have a choice, if they say, "Hey, you want to do Darth Maul, or how about Darth Vader?" We're picking Darth Vader. Now, I want to see interaction. I want to see the the two Darths. Give me all the Darths. I want to see Darth. There, there was a there was a story, and I promise we'll get to the actual story in a minute, folks. There, there was yeah, a there was funny. a Dark Horse Comics uh, Star Wars run where Darth Maul was resurrected by the Sith cult that wanted to basically overthrow Vader, and Vader uh, was almost killed by Maul until, ironically, he cut Maul in half again. And uh, that was always so freaking cool. But ever since the end of Solo, in which they teased, you know, there's this like five, ten year period between Star Wars, the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, in which you really get to see Darth Maul run the 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 criminal syndicate he's in charge of. It's like people want to see that. It's like I think Maul right now has had a great story. If you watch the, the animated shows and stuff like that, that really pieces it together, gives you a lot of what you want. But at the same time, it's like, we still want to see a live action Question that may contain a spoiler alert for rebels, but I think I've heard this. And if you care about a, sh- you know, if you care about spoilers for a show that aired years ago, then I can't help you here, but uh, he dies in that show. Yeah. Is that correct? He dies okay, by, so, he, but that he dies that would take place. That takes place right. Yeah. That takes place right before episode four. Um, Rebels takes you right up to episode okay, four. So we can have Darth Maul anytime before that. Yeah. Okay. Because there's like there's like a ten year right. period between Clone Wars and Rebels that you know the comics have tried to piece a lot together of. It's just that you've got so much material in there. Yeah. And so much you can do. And some of that material we're gonna get into today. So why don't we dive into our story? Star Wars Bounty Hunters, which I was excited about because I enjoyed the last little foray into this world uh where we met one of our lead characters here violet valance i i love the non-jedi star wars stories the most i think i'm firmly in the camp of non-jedi star wars and i wanted to go ahead and keep that going uh we haven't done a star wars uh story in a while and honestly after watching the book of boba fett i was a bit underwhelmed by that so i went back to my good old marvel unlimited app and they started reading some star you know current canon star wars stories and i was like you know what let's kind of pick off where that story left off and pick it off we shall any thoughts before we jump in when you saw this on the list were you like oh i i want to see where 
where Valance goes and, you know, where, where all these bounty hunter stories continue. Because, I mean, last time we gave it a pretty a pretty high score, despite having some criticisms of it. And, um, you know, it, it seems it, it, I don't want to spoil anything too far ahead, but it's like even though you kind of know what you're expecting from like a cowboy gangster heist film type of Star Wars story, there's something about these characters and there's something about this, the timeline it's established in that makes stories like this genuinely pretty pretty fun to read yeah so i would encourage everyone to i wouldn't say necessarily pause this show and go listen i don't think you have to have heard that one but uh episode 50 i did do a quick search i didn't remember that uh is where we reviewed target vader which is where we see the comic book debut of bylard valance cyborg bounty hunter bylard valance and i did i did enjoy the character in that show in that show <laughs> wow. show it's episodes issues now shows too wow. uh, what am i even doing here uh i did enjoy that series and but overall like i i really barely like if there's one thing marvel and sometimes i even forget it's marvel when we're talking about marvel books and what's marvel doing i'm mostly just thinking of their superhero line which is mostly bleh with a couple gems i would say right now um but i almost always just forget about the star wars stuff because it's in a, literally in a different universe um and but it's it's almost all i don't think i've read a star wars book that mm, let's see i think there was like a wedge antilles book that i was kind of like all right i don't know if we need a wedge antilles book like there's some I, i've read because i went through a period uh when the charles soul, soul books were coming out he was i think he did both the original star wars and original vader series mm-hmm. that they came out with and those were gold and then they there was like eight different series at one point um there was a i think there was a, a lando series which i even really liked and but you know i don't i don't love all of them but even the ones that aren't that great, they all manage to really capture the feel of Star Wars. They all feel Star Wars. And there's just a there's a, a really strong consistency to the feel, the look, even when you have different artists, different writers, they manage to do a really good job. I think a lot of it is like the lettering and stuff. The lettering matches the movies um, and, and stuff like that. It just they, they manage to maintain the Star Wars feel no matter what direction the, these uh, series are going in, no matter what characters we're looking at, uh, no matter what writer and artist we have. So I think whoever oversees that Star Wars division in Marvel does just a fucking stellar job. So yes, I was, I was excited about this one because I, I've been aware of the Bounty Hunter series. I believe it, it's still going on, but it was I was a little intimidated because I saw how far they've gotten into it. And I know there's a bunch of spinoffs, too. But this is why I love this podcast. It gets me to read things that maybe I wouldn't have read or that I was thinking about reading, but didn't have the impetus to. Well, here we are. Ramza Martinez, my impetus. Impetus Martinez. Da, 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 da. Star Wars bounty. Yes, I was excited. About this. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, this, is, this is an easy sell for me, though. Yeah. So we're picking up at issue one, part one of Galaxy's Deadliest. I, I always like the voice of the narrator from the beginning of the Clone Wars TV show, so I'll try and do that for the intro here. The Rebel Alliance is all... <coughs> that was all wrong. I just hit puberty again. The Rebel Alliance is all but defeated. No, no, we're keeping this in. People need to know the sacrifice that goes into the quality of this show. We're all right, fair enough. Keep in the call. get to hear Remzo choke. The Rebel Alliance is all but defeated after the Battle of Hoth. The Empire has redoubled their efforts to crush the scattered freedom fighters. So now we know on the offset, this takes place between episode four and five. Uh, I'm sorry. No, five and six, because it's post Hoth. So five and six. So after the Empire strikes back before. Uh, Return of the Jedi. While the Civil War consumes the galaxy, the underworld thrives. Smugglers, mercenaries, and thieves serve the crime syndicates and cartels that vie for influence, territory, and profit. 
Skilled and ruthless bounty hunters, some of the most dangerous killers in the galaxy, scour systems to track down wanted criminals for the highest price. Three of these hunters, Valance, Bosk, and Boba Fett, are considered some of the best, and they have a history with each other. One that put the, one that's about to put them on a deadly collision course. I'm glad they do these to give us the context and the timeline because it's not like you can't just say like year 2000 whatever. Like that's not going to mean anything in, in space time to us. So I'm glad they give us the context always, so that Star Wars fans maybe you don't need to have the whole timeline in front of you, but. If you're at least a basic Star Wars fan, if you're someone that would care about the timeline at all, you will be someone who who says, oh, Battle of Hoth. OK, I know exactly when this takes place, which is a huge help. And if you if you didn't know the Battle of Hoth, then you're not as much enough of a fan that you're even going to care when this takes place anyway. So it works either way. Exactly. So we go ahead and start on the first page. We're at Corellia on the outs- at, on the outskirts of the Cornet City a long time ago. So this is a flashback. And what you basically see is that the city is under siege. Something is happening. And we go ahead and we see a team of bounty hunters that are basically looking for um, a few of their allies to go ahead and reach them at this, uh, at this fortress they're at. They're trying to get somebody in. And shit is just seems to not be working out so well. So you've got some of these, um, you know, fighters that are just going ahead and they're getting tossed all over the place. And this is where we see Bosk. He's just killed one and he's boasting about it. And there's a few other yeah, guys. Bosk is the giant reptile, by the way. And you've probably have seen him or I don't know if it's him or just another one of his species, but. He's in like the the lineup of bounty hunters in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, he's like the one that stands there for like three seconds. Yeah, along with Bo- just like looks don't, don't like you think it's don't you think it's it. weird that like boba fett get got so much credit for being in like eight seconds of that film but bosk who's a freaking like he's the only like reptile crazy looking creature that we really see in those films of like humanoid features he gets like no love except for like when people who actually cared about him decide to bring him back in the comics yeah but you know he doesn't have a jetpack so yeah yeah, we've we've seen lizard. We already seen Jurassic Park. Well, I guess at the time of Empire Strikes Back, we hadn't seen Jurassic Park. I want to see the Book of Bosk. I'll watch the Book of Bosk. <laughs> Is it really going to be the Mandalorian? I mean, I can go on a whole rant about that to hear my rants about the Mandalorian actually being, you know, two of the episodes of the Book of Boba Fett. Again, head, our, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash second print pod, where our friend Dan Smots and I reviewed all of the Book of Boba Fett, and you will hear us reviewing. I haven't even asked them, him this, but I'm pretty sure he'll be down reviewing Obi-Wan. I'll be doing it one way or the other. I, I believe Dan will, will join me for it. He loves to make fun of everything we love in life. Of course he'll say yes. yes Speaking yes, of life, exactly. one of the insurgents is running off, escaping Bosk, when suddenly he gets shot in the back of the head by Lash. Lash is with this other guy. Um, what's his name? I forgot his name. Uh, no, not Tongar. Yeah. Anyway, we've got like Tongar. We'll call him that. Yeah, Tongar. We got Tongar, yeah, yeah. who's one of the bounty hunters. And then we have this young prince who's their target. They're not here to like, you know, kill him or anything. They're actually here to basically protect him because a whole bunch of other bounty hunters are here because this whole government's being overthrown. It's a whole thing that doesn't really matter. It's an escort mission. It's an escort mission. So basically, everyone is getting their asses kicked except the bounty hunters who seem to have them on the edge. And then we get a full page spread of Boba Fett. Boba Fett is coming down looking more badass than he did in any episode of his own show. That is for sure. This is a much younger Boba Fett pre-Sarlacc bit. Yeah. Well, not much younger, actually. It would have been 
That would have been maybe four or five yeah, years. Well, Mandalorian takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, so this would be, um, I don't know, how long before Return of the Jedi is Empire taking place? They're kind of back to back. Basically, I think a couple of years. There's maybe. some time in between. This would probably be five or six years before the Mandalorian. Well, anyway, this is the Boba you actually wanted to see. He's coming down, yes. setting people on fire, like snapping necks, using his, um, I call it like his, you know, his bat grapple or his Boba grapple to like whip people, and he's like, you know blasting the Boba shit grapple. out of them. Boba grapple. Boba grapple. We're calling it that. He looks fucking Boba awesome. Fett. When suddenly we see Valance with his full A face. young and dashing Bylard Valance. Yeah. He he jumps in and he's like, ah, Boba, you were supposed to be discreet. And Boba's like, you're late, Valance. The, the orders were for you to wait for backup. And he's like, ah, you know, I don't really wait for backup. And as Valance is basically fighting off the remaining guys, um, at one point, he just doesn't pay attention and he gets shot in the face and he's like down and kind of pissed off because he got shot in the face. And next, you know, Boba walks over just having, you know, laughed at the whole thing. And he's like, this is why I didn't wait. You just get in the way. And Valance, who's so, still kind of. So I guess this version of, of Bylard Valance didn't wasn't publicly parading around as a cyborg. No. He was like acting like because he, he looks like a normal guy and then he gets shot in the face. And then you see, yeah, he is actually cyborg balance. Um, but I guess he just. He he hadn't embraced it yet. He's really self-conscious about it, because here he is on his knees groveling. He's like, stay away from me, Fett, before I kill you. And he's like, after after this mission is over, you'll need more than that Beskar armor to protect you. A little piece of Star Wars trivia. The reason why Valance and why Darth Vader were so ashamed to let people know that they used robot parts is because of the negative stigma that came from droids after the... um, war between the separatists and the republic where basically all droids were basically seen as either servants or killers so basically by them having any type of cybernetics people didn't really know what to take of them so there's a lot of anti-cyborg systemic racism in the empire because because they're cyborgs so they're sort of transitioned but they're not they can be mistaken as full-on borgs by someone less educated who might stereotype them so yeah that's got it you know it ain't easy being a Borg, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Anyway, we go back to Lash and Tongar and the prince, and as they're running into the fortress, getting him in there, the prince runs out, and he's like, oh, get out of my way. And they're like, uh, you, you can't go back out there. We're trying to get in here. He pulls out a gun, and he's, you know, he's pointing at somebody who's calling his name, and he's like, oh, they can't be allowed to live. We don't see what they see, but Lash is like, you know, freaking out he's she's like wait wait what no so she ends up shooting him and at this point tongar is just like uh what just happened so she goes around and uh you know she's trying to figure out what to do now we don't know what the whole situation is about but basically um you know they've just screwed up the whole mission they killed the high value target that they were supposed to protect you had one job (laughs) so at this point tongar is like freaking out and he's radioing into a valance and fett he's like hey guys we got to get out of here and they're like why and he's like well lash blew the mission and valance is like what are you talking about tongar and and he's like she just killed the client he like you know the crinkin heir to the deadliest crime syndicate in the sector and at this point, Fez looking at Valance and he's like, ah, your mentor just got us all killed. I'm going to make sure I return the favor. And Valance is freaking out. He's just like, why? Like, no, it can't be. Lash would never do that to me. Why did she blow up this whole mission? 
And at that point, we're still kind of confused. We don't know what happened, but we go on to the next page and we're back in the current times where Lash is going out. I'm sorry, where Valance is going out at, uh, at a black. Fully embraces a cyborg. Yeah. His this is where we saw down. him at, at Target Vader. It's around that, that time. So Valance is out. He's fighting this Black Spire crime syndicate. Obviously, he's been hired to go kill somebody. So he's just going around. And uh, now we're seeing the juxtaposition because in the flashback, he's just gotten accustomed to his cybernetic parts. He's been betrayed. He's still kind of green as a bounty hunter. Whereas here, he's just going around like murdering shit. And this is like some John Wick level action here. There's a there's a lot of like, you know, I call it filler dialogue, but it's a lot of people just screaming and dying. And uh, he's just fully embraced the fact that as a cyborg, he can take more hits. He could take more laser blasts. It's going to take a lot to kill Baylor of Allen's. So he rushes over and he's chasing uh, one of the giant Black Spire goons. At this point, the guy gets off in, um, in a speeder. But what Valance does is he goes over to this machine, yanks off uh, this really sharp part of it. And what he ends up doing as the guy is about to come around to speed off is he basically just like whacks the speeder with all his cybernetic strength and the guy like flies out of it. So we know that at this point, today's modern Valance is not fucking around. Mark, your, your thought on just that action scene. It's just bam, bam, bam. Well, that's, that's one good thing about this book and, and a lot of the Star Wars books in general. While there is some exposition when necessary, there's a lot of action and they're always fast paced. Like these, particularly, I mean, any of those early Star Wars or uh, by early, I mean like 2013, 2015, something like that. Darth Vader uh, series. Every issue felt to me like it ended like it, eight pages in, but it, no, it was all 24 pages. It just, it, it goes by and this book is, is no different. I mean, it, it goes by where, where there's di- there needs to be some dialogue. There is, but often the dialogue is accompanied by an exciting flashback or an exciting battle scene. And I just really, I really enjoy that. We dive right into the action, both in the past and the future. We see, you know, we're hit with Boba Fett. Uh, we see this wild action scene from, uh, you know, from the, from the past. And then we dive into the present boom again. So they, they always keep you moving with these stories. And I think they did a really good job with this too i really also like uh what is he i don't know what he's called like off the top of my head i like byler's little alfred droid that kind of like directs him as he's going in, the, in this one i don't think he was he was in the target vader series i think he was introduced as like someone that came with one of the ships that he hijacked and he just kind of kept him around he's ig something yeah we'll call him robot sidekick there you go that worked because researching it would be for better comic book hosts and we're awesome. So we move the hell on. Speaking of moving on, some people can't move on. Moving on is hard, especially after someone suffers a deep personal loss, such as the loss of a brother. Now we're on the moon of Logal Ri, where Tonga, Tongar's sister, seems to be walking off towards her ship, getting ready to leave the moon. When her girlfriend runs over and she's like, wait, I just saw the transmission. Why are you leaving? You, you can't leave. To which we find out what the transmission was. Basically, somebody has been putting out information that Lash is alive and that Lash is in the solar system. So Tonga is just like, listen, I got to go find this bastard. Nothing's going to stop me. 
And her girlfriend is like, come on, you can't leave. You promised you'd leave this behind. So, you know, she does what any scorned lover would do in this situation. She's just like, you promised and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what women scream at when they start yelling at that point. Hashtag misogyny. You know what's hotter than lesbians, Remzo? Space lesbians. Hashtag misogyny. Anyway, she doesn't. <laughs> <We're trying our laughs> she doesn't care about her girlfriend yelling at her. Uh, she gets in the ship and she's like, "I'll be back for dinner." No, I added that part. <laughs> she just says, "Don't worry." I'm going out to get a pack of snakes. <laughs> um, so she flies off because she has to go kill Lash, Adventure Brother. Basic story. So now we're at the Carbon Score Cantina in the Anoint Sector, and now we see Bosk. Bosk is still around with all his other seedy alien friends, and he's complaining about the fact that Boba Fett has gotten this lucrative contract between Jabba the Hutt and the Empire to escort the carbon-frozen Han Solo and the Wookiee back to Tatooine. So he's complaining about that. So you know this takes place now. This takes place after um, the end of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So who do we see walk into the bar looking for Bosk? We see Dr. Afra, another space lesbian. She's awesome, though. <laughs> and, and I know we've talked about this before, but it's like, you know, ca- characters like Dr. Afra really stick out because if you want to make a woke character, at least make them awesome. And Dr. Afra is a really cool addition to the Disney canon of Star Wars. It's like, you know, they put so much effort in Ray in the films, but they ignored all the other fantastic female characters that were fresh and awesome for the series. Ahsoka Tano, who's probably one of my favorite Star Wars characters. We've got um, uh, Jin Erso from Rogue One, which is probably my favorite Star Wars movie. And then we've got Dr. Afra, who was exclusive to the comics. Maybe she'll be popping up in the show or something. Awesome. We got to see a Dr. Afra in, in live action at some freaking awesome with all these shows coming awesome. out. I mean, they're not going to be able to resist. I would totally dig a Dr. Afra show. It's got to be the right casting, though. Can't just toss any, any broad into that, any, that role. Any fan casting ideas? Oh, man, I'm really bad at this stuff because I don't know any actresses or actor or actors names. <laughs> Karen Gillan, who played Nebula in uh, in the Guardians films and Avengers game karen gillen who was also a doctor who i mean i know what she looks like as nebula <laughs> i don't know what she looks like in real life oh you should see how she you should see how she looks like in real life not as nebula she's awesome she's my fan pick for dr afra all right i'll just endorse your pick that's easier makes life easy but we also see her partner who is one of my favorites from the comics and i love that even though uh, i don't know I, I could go on a different rant about what they actually did with him but it was so cool to see him live on screen the other Wookiee, Black Chrysanthemum. They are looking for Bosk because what they're looking for is a special item that uh, he may have stolen from them or something like that because everyone has a grudge against each other in Star Wars. So Dr. Afra has Chrysanthemum. <laughs> Literally every bounty hunter has worked together and has a grudge against uh, each other. Yeah, so uh, Black Chrysanthemum is going after Bosk and he's just like tossing him around and at this point, Bosk pulls out his giant ass machete and he's like, I always get my Wookiee. Always. And while they're just fighting, Dr. Afra is just like, you know, hanging out, grabbing a drink. And she's like, while I get the urge to murder Black Chrysanthemum, I really do. I'm afraid you're going to have to let him go. I need him for a job. 
And Bosk is like, I recognize you. You're Dr. Afra, the thief who took down the Imperial Minister. From the that, that woke chick from the comics. He's pretty cool. Pretty cool, woke chick. He's like, but you are out of your league, Hume. And then she's like, well, you know, I, I'm also the thief who nicked your blaster. But I recognize you too, Bosk. You were that botched. You were on that botched Corellia mission years ago. That means this doesn't have to be a bad day for any of us. And at this point, um, there's talk about a certain bounty, and she just wants to know what Bosk knows. So this is really just an opportunity for an exchange of information. Meanwhile, we're over at another outpost where bounty hunters usually get their assignments, and what we see is that everyone is like trying to get all the information so if anyone has seen um the first uh, episode of the mandalorian season one this is how bounty hunting basically works a bounty is put out and bounty hunters can only take a bounty one at a time it makes sure that they all stay employed it keeps it orderly because what they don't want to happen is that bounty hunters compete with each other for the same bounty it's bad for business, keeps everything fair. So everyone is trying to channel in and get the bounty information because suddenly, as soon as Lash's name went out, everyone is like, we need to kill this bitch. And uh, Valance is trying to get the information, but suddenly um, the the monitors on this like command post wall, they all go out, and we see this giant like serpent spidery motherfucker. He comes out. And he just straight up murders the dude. And his name is Oris. Oris is a freak. I don't even know what alien he is. And he's he's just a scary motherfucker. And he really has it out for Lash. So he just goes ahead and kills the guy, assigning the bounties. And uh, right before he kills him, he gets the information. And then he walks out. And then as soon as we go on to the next page, we find that one of the guys is specifically reaching out to Boba Fett. And he's like, hey, you know, I know you usually save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Work for Jabba, and I have great respect for the Huts, but I've got something that you might want to know about. And he's like, oh, I'm busy. And the guy is like, well, it's Nakano Lash. She's resurfaced. And then at that point, um, Bob, uh, Boba Fett is like, you know what? I'll make time for that. And what's crazy is that as they zoom out in the panel, you see that you've got Carbonite Han Solo in the back. So what this implies is that between him taking Han Solo from the, the sky city of Bespin to the Hutt's Palace, he had a little side adventure in between, and that ends issue one. Taking a little side mission with this very precious ca- cargo needed for the end of the trilogy. So that's a, it's a risky mission, but it g- does go to show you, and especially because he said you can keep the credits, that this is, this is a personal mission for Boba. This is not business. Exactly. Now we're on to issue two, and we get another... By the yeah. way, we shouldn't mention who wrote this. A guy named Ethan Sachs, who I'd never heard of before. A guy named... Paolo Vianelli was the artist who I never heard of before, but hey, I wanted to mention these guys because we should mention who writes and does things, but I also wanted to mention the variant cover artists 
Now they list a bunch of them, but I'll say the art's okay. We'll talk about the art at the end, but the the variant covers, or at least the covers, I don't know about the if these the are covers variants, are the best. Whatever part. covers, <laughs> the covers are awesome. To these, like the first two covers are just both show these like three shots of Byler, Boba, and Boss just looking badass, and that I mean these covers are are stellar, absolutely stellar. Indeed, cover artist Lee Bermejo. That's who gets credit. Lee Bermejo. I'm a Lee Bermejo fan now. I'm going to bring my iPad for him to sign to sign the sign the cover of this at a convention someday. I wonder if anyone's have ever done that. Just to be Why funny. Is there a name scratch in the middle of your iPad? Ah, uh, yeah. It's Lee Bermejo. Who's that? You don't know? Well, I didn't know until recently either. Now my iPad is a permanent marker on it. Now my iPad is broken. Anyway. So now we go back to now we go on to issue two and they give us another recap. Basically, the and they I like how the recaps actually give a little bit more than the story gives, because I actually went back and reread issue one and they kind of just leave a lot to insinuation. But that prince that got shot. Yeah, all the stuff about the mourner's wall and uh, the unbroken clan. Like, they didn't really go into that at all in the, in the first issue. Yeah, so the unbroken clan were attacking the fortress of the mourner's wall. The prince was the heir to the mourner's wall. And basically now they're just talking about how, uh, you know, Valance, Tongar's sister Tonga, Bosk, and Fett all have a personal score to settle. To the, uh, that involves killing Nakana Lash, who was the leader of their little ragtag group. So now we're on to part two, Sorrow of the Syndicates. And we're at this um, uh, safe house in Iridau. And basically, Balance went looking for information, too. But it must not have worked out because we go ahead and see a pretty large page spread of him just chilling out after having beaten the shit out of everyone in the bar. I like how when they juxtapose Valance, because they did this in the Target Vader series, they show, they show mm-hmm. him like before he was a hardcore bounty hunter and after, and seeing how he was just kind of an okay fighter before, but now he's like freaking you know, Liam Neeson from Taken. It's pretty freaking cool. So now everyone's just kind of, you know, looking around and, you know, trying to pick up their teeth and mop up their blood while Valance is figuring out what's going on. His little robot sidekick is giving him more information to put things together so that way they can find the next set of clues to find Lash. We go back to another uh, flashback of the last time that Valance was on this uh, planet years ago. And what he basically see is that uh, this is him after he was decommissioned from the Imperial Army. He doesn't seem to be doing very well. He's kind of a drunkard. He's kind of homeless. And what he sees is that this human a uh, girl is being kidnapped by this giant rat monster. And I, I got to say, like, you know, it looks like a giant rat monster, but that thing would be horrifying if I was a child reading this. It's a giant mat- rat monster kidnapping children. There are many horrifying creatures in this universe. Yeah. But basically, uh, as uh, she's screaming, she's like, somebody help me, stormtroopers, somebody help me. And the giant rat, like, pedophile rapist kidnapper is like, huh, do you think this place looks like a place where heroes drink? And next thing you know, the stormtroopers come in, and um, at this point, you know, Valance gets, like, 
triggered or something because he just starts like turning around and fighting them. You would think that he would go and like stop the girl, but at this, I mean, stop the girl from getting kidnapped. But at this point, he's just like murdering stormtroopers, giving him like his little like, you know, anti-imperial diatribe about, you know, I was a stormtrooper too, as he as he's like beating the shit out of them. And then he starts like, you know, murdering them in, in violent secession. And he's like, look at me. I'm barely human now. So at this point, um, he's just gone ahead and beaten up more stormtroopers and Valance, I'm sorry, and Lash and uh, Tongar are like, you know what, maybe we should join in on this because we hate stormtroopers too. So they basically go ahead and uh, beat the shit out of everyone. And I don't even know what happened to like that that kid that was getting kidnapped. I don't think anyone cares. Oh, yeah, we forgot about yeah, him. Yeah, rat, this rat person a- <laughs> successfully kidnapped the child. <laughs> Let's just assume that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the, the mission got got the sidetrack. <laughs> this whole battle. It's like forget about saving the kid from the giant, you know, master shredder rapist right there. Let's go ahead and just murder the cops. So at this point, um, you know, Lash get. I'm sorry, Valance gets uh, his ass beaten a little bit because you can't fight everyone at once. And Lash is so impressed that uh, her Tongar and one of their associates basically are like, you know what? We're going to take this cyborg person who just murdered all those people. He seems like an all right dude. Forget the kid that was getting kidnapped by the giant rap person. Let's save this murderous guy right here. And uh, that's how Valance met Lash. That's one hell of a way to start a book. Yeah. I mean, these, these books always do a good job of whether they're giving you a linear story or jumping to flashbacks like this, they always give you like, you know, like a wham, bam, uh, you know, a moment in in the beginning to get you, you know, to get you into things. There's, there's never a shortage of exciting moments. Yeah. So basically now we're back at the present. Um, Lash has gone over to some security cameras because he knows that somebody was here kicking ass moments before he showed up to also kick ass. And he figures out that Boba Fett has been here. And that he's going to the planet of Galmera. Doesn't sound that fun. Galmera. Galmera. I I wonder who makes up these names. You think there's a guy that just makes up planet names? I mean, you know, somebody had to make... Hey, Jimmy, I need a new... I don't know why I'm... Why I'm... Why Ethan Sachs, the writer here, is uh, uh, in The Sopranos, but... Hey, Jimmy, I I need me another planet name. Uh, Galmera? How about Galmera? What the fuck's a Galmera, Jimmy? What the fuck's a Galmera? Anyway, we'll use it. Sounds like a planet. That's my Ethan Sachs impression, everybody. <laughs> anyway, so... I hope Ethan Sachs is not Italian, <laughs> or else that would be offensive. If he's not... If he is not Italian, I think it's worth fine. If he's actually Italian, I think... I think it might be a problem. I think Ethan Sachs will not be following me on Twitter. So, Valance flies off in the ship to go to Galmera to find Lash before Boba Fett does, and who's following him... The giant spider snake motherfucker. Yeah, I don't like that. So now we're on the planet of Galmera. Galmera is a graveyard planet. So basically what you will find on Galmera are graves. And uh, at this point, um, Bosk has basically traded information of Afra. He has the information he needs to go ahead and find Lash as well. So he's on this planet basically looking around. Meanwhile, we see Tonga. Tonga is there at the fortress of the Mourner's Whale, and uh, she's trying to see what she could find as well. So she breaks in all Black Widow style, doing like spinning leg heel hook kicks on people. I don't know what that would look like, but somehow I think that's what it would look like here if that was a thing. (laughs) And uh, what's crazy is, and this is what I love about the comics, like they will show you, they will show you like her accidentally decapitating someone with her grappling hook. 
And you never actually see like people die in the Star Wars shows or movies. It's usually just reserved for robots and stuff like that. But like here, they will basically show somebody getting their head cut off. We did in the end of the Mandalorian. Spoiler alert: not the Mandalorian, <laughs> Boba Fett. It's all yeah, the same show. Yeah, but, uh, that was the first time we real. Well, maybe not the first time, but that was like where you actually see blade go through body, not just you know implied death or what have you. Anyway, so Tonga basically goes in. We basically realize that she's kind of a badass, too, because she's beating up all those guys just in time for her to catch her breath and realize that um, there's a whole bunch of dudes standing behind her with the king, the leader of the Morning Whale, Lord Camdex. And, uh, you know, at this point, they're just like, what are you doing here? And she's just like, listen, I'm looking for this bitch named Lash. And he's like, huh, well, it's funny you say that because I've got a grudge against a bitch named Lash, too. And I think you can go ahead and kill her for me. Turns out that um, that was the prince's father. So now at this point, they have a common cause. Uh, Lash killed his son. Lash killed, you know, quote, killed her brother. Because we don't really now know we what we want to kill them. Yeah, so but now we're friends. Yeah, so that that's how that works. Mutual alliance based on hate. So now uh, Lash is on the planet of Galmera, and the coordinates that he received go ahead and take him to Lash's parents' grave. So at this point, um, you know he's just kind of looking around, and then he notices something. There's a certain funk in the air, so he looks at his little robot sidekick, and he's like, "Huh, oh, what's that?" he looks around and who's there pointing a gun at him? Bosk. So Bosk isn't really like, you know, the type to wait or to, you know, be diplomatic. So Bosk just starts like blowing shit up. So he's very direct. This, this Yeah. So he so, somehow starts shooting. And before you know it, we zoom out and we see a giant explosion. Shit has hit the fan and the issue ends, leaving us on a cliffhanger. So what the hell just happened? Thoughts on issue two? Things blew up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's continuing uh, a, a fast-paced, interesting story, and I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. I mean, I, I know we will see more information. What I, what I really like about how they do these is, yes, there is, like, an underlying story, but it's, you always find out, like, almost always, especially with this series anyway, the exposition is through the story, is through the action. Like, we learn as the characters learn. Um, we learn, uh, you know, about what their motivations are as they go and, and as they're involved in these battles and as, and mysteries unfold at the same time. So there's never a shortage of action. There's really never a pause to explain everything, a pause for the exposition. Um, as many other books that have a lot of exposition can feel like, and a lot of those are great books, but they do often feel like, okay, beep, let's hit pause on the, on the VCR now. And now I'm going to tell you. Sometimes you just want to see people fight each other. That's a, a lot. Lo, very. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the, that's the other way to put things. Sometimes you just want to see people fight and not talk about everything, but yeah, it, it's very effective. I'm so it. on to issue three, we see that the giant spider serpent mofo has arrived on the graveyard planet of Galmira. And he's looking around seeing, Hey, I wonder what more I can find. Oh, look, there seems to be a fight in the distance. So he goes ahead and starts snooping around to see what's going on. Meanwhile, we're on a greener planet far away called Rusan, and we see this woman speaking to this nice little monk-like farmer person. And uh, at this point, you know, what we see is that obviously they live there. It's a small community, very agrarian. And, um, you know, some, some happenings 
has been occurring over the communications devices. People know that in a nearby planet, something's going on and somebody in the solar system is being hunted. So now we go back to Galmira and we see Bosk and Valens just like fighting each other. And at this point, Bosk is like, you know, taunting him. And he's like, oh, Valens, not like you to cower. Come out and reminisce about the good times of your old pal. So Valance pulls out his gun and starts. They're all old. Pals, everyone's all old these pals. <laughs> There's no new bounty hunters. Yeah, like. it's all it's all like the same six. So at this point, you know, Valance comes out and he starts blasting and he's like, truth is, I never liked you much, much Bosk. And Bosk is like, one way or another, I'm getting those coordinates to lash this location. Even if I have to rip them out of your droids processors, I don't need to keep you alive for that. Yeah, so they're not allowed to fight. They're not allowed to both go after the same uh, bounty at the same time, but they can fight each other to get the information about the bounty. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. So at this point, um, bounty code. Uh, Bat uh, Bosk accidentally. Sh- well, he doesn't accidentally. Bosk intentionally shoots uh, Valance's gun, uh, destroying it. And at this point, you know, Valance is like, you know, I've got this like palm blaster thing i can go ahead and end him with right now but no i might need him later or something i don't want to kill him just yet so he basically instead of using his hand blaster basically steeps up behind him and just decks him straight in the mouth i mean it's a it's a good solid clean like winter soldier level punch across the jaw for a full page which is pretty cool but that lasts like five seconds because Boss goes ahead and like scratches him across the face, and they're like doing Mortal Combat shit. And Boss is like, "I should have killed you all those years ago." And speaking of years ago, we have another flashback to right before that mission. Uh, Tongar is speaking with his sister, and she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna get married and all this other stuff." And at this point, you know, this is right before the mission where Valance gets his face blown off again, exposing that he's a cyborg. This is when he's still trying to, like, let people think that he's a human. And uh, as he's watching Tongar talk with his sister, he gets this feeling that, you know, maybe I should talk to somebody before this mission. So he wants to go ahead and call back to his old girlfriend. And he's thinking, you know, I look good. No one knows I'm a cyborg. But he he doesn't feel confident enough. So he hangs up before he calls. And Boss goes ahead and starts calling him a pathetic weakling who's too afraid to do anything. So Valance lashes out, throws him against the wall. And he's like, hey, I'll show you fear. And long story short, at this point, you're basically starting to see how they all kind of interacted. They never all really got along. They all just kind of tolerated each other. Lash comes in before uh, Valance and Bosk are about to get into a fight. They're going to the briefing room where they explain the escort job that's about to happen. And we all know how that happened at the beginning of issue one. So now we go back to the current times and we see that they're still fighting. And what I love is that, you know, this is just action driving action. Uh, it's just pages of them beating the shit out of each other until eventually um, uh, Valance, you know, just beats him, unco- beats Bosk unconscious, uh, zip ties his hands and, you know, begins walking off to find out uh, what's going to happen. Meanwhile, he goes back over to his uh protocol droid and he sees that while he was fighting Vosk someone took his head and that someone Little is that buddy. giant spider furry tarantula bounty hunter serpent motherfucker and uh that's fucked up man yeah who who decapitates who decapitates droids first they first they vandalize a grave so there, there were coordinates hidden in the grave that's what the other coordinates were sending them to so it's a it's a it's like a treasure hunt 
you got to find all the other stuff to tell you where all the other stuff is. And uh, the droid was finding it while uh, Valance and Bosk were fighting. So now what we see is that um, someone has flown over to the Kessel sector, and they're at another smuggler's refueling station. And as these guys are just kind of chilling out, we see this other bounty bounty hunter come in, and she just starts, like, raiding the place. Um, And they're... uh, they're they're basically looking for Lash too because why not? Why not? So looking for Lash. Everybody's looking for Lash. So should have been the name of the series. So at this point, we're we're Lash back Lickers. to that uh, you know cloaked lady at the beginning who was on that farm planet. Uh, she's going over to the safe house and she's talking to somebody and she's like, "Hey, listen, um, there's no time to pack, you little womp rat. This place isn't safe anymore." And as she's walking in, apparently talking to a child or something, she goes inside and sees that this child who's screaming, Auntie, is being held captive by the same dude who decapitated Valance's droid for the coordinates earlier. And he's looking at her while holding a gun to the kid's head. And we don't know who the kid is yet. We don't know how they're related, but we do know that Lash was taking care of this child. Um, The guy is like, of all the bounty hunters in the sector looking for you. Remember, it was Oris Binar who found you. And what a name. as uh, we continue to the next page, right before it ends, we see Valance is back on his ship. And who's there pointing another gun at him? Tonga. And Tonga's like, give me one reason, one good reason why I shouldn't kill you right now. So all the tenseness is up and all the shit's hitting the fan. It's not a good day for anyone. That ends issue three. Yeah, it's really just a classic, um, a classic bounty hunter tale. Well, I mean, I don't. At least what I imagine would be a classic bounty hunter tale. You could really copy and paste this into like a western or something like that, or maybe it's the other way around. A west. This is a western translated into space, and uh, yeah, it just it it really works for me on every level. Especially, I'm a fan of westerns. I'm a fan of space. So when the elements of both merge which they certainly do here i'm along for the ride so i am really enjoying this we go on to issue four and tonga is basically explaining that you know life for everybody has gotten worse because lash betrayed the mission we see uh this giant like aftermath scene of a war between the spice dealers and the mourners whale as the as a bunch of stormtroopers are going around trying to see what's happened and what they basically see is dead bodies and fire and rubble everywhere and um you know she's like you know all, all this death didn't need to happen if flash didn't screw it up and not only did she get all those people killed over the years but i mean she killed my brother man that ain't cool so at this point uh, she's just basically telling Valance that she wants to kill Lash and that he doesn't. She doesn't want him in the way. So uh, to bait, to make it even, what she does is she's like, you know what? Go ahead and be part of my crew. So she throws him what what seems to be like a, a beacon, a transmitter, or something. And as he catches it, she pulls out a controller, presses the button, and freaking EMP blasts him. And he's like, hey, what what the, what the hell is that? I thought we were teaming up right now. She's like, I'm just making my point. Get in the way and there won't be enough parts left for you to put back together. So it's her basically like whipping her dick out. I don't basically know if it's an saying, EMP. An EMP would just turn him off, wouldn't it? Well, it it's just, a, it seems like it's just it's like a, thing some, that's a taser. It's, a not, space taser. it's not good for cyborgs. It's not good for cyborgs. Yeah, no. <laughs> we agree on that. So basically, she just asserted her dominance, gangsta style. And uh, she's, she's the boss right now. So now we're back to Rusan where Oris has taken this girl hostage and, uh, you know, 
At this point, he just starts attacking Lash with his like giant tail and shit. So at this point, you know, she's she's not even fighting back. She's like, please, just don't hurt the girl. I'll do whatever you want. And uh, he's like, oh, this is quite disappointing. The great Nakano Lash, the preeminent bounty hunter of her age, reduced, reduced to the sickly husk. I was hoping for a better challenge. Uh, and as he's boasting, you know, he's ignoring the girl who pulls out a freaking shank and then like stabs him beside the head. And that's that training, yeah, I guess. That and at this about. point, he's just like trying to pull this knife out while she escapes. And as uh, Lash is running towards the wall, she goes ahead and pulls out a freaking knife and then a rifle. And she starts like hacking this motherfucker. So next thing you know, what she does is she gets back control. There's my jujitsu knowledge coming in. She gets back control and uses his own tail to choke him out until she snaps his neck. It's not a long fight, but it's a gruesome one. What a way to go with your own tail. So moments later. And then this guy, I thought they were building up this guy to be the big bad of this series. And, but I think this was really effective because it also showed how, you know, they, they make you, they make it, make you know this guy is badass this guy is scary they see you see him do scary fucking ass shit he's got all this crazy you know crazy tail and arms or whatever and then it just shows you how badass lash is you know when when she just decides oh you fucked with my girl no you're fucking dead and then she doesn't waste any time to just brutally destroy this guy who's been built in in pro wrestling it's it's you know when they want to when they want to really build somebody up what they'll do is they'll take like some new guy you know who looks really scary they'll have him come in they'll have him destroy a bunch of guys so he looks awesome but sometimes it's really just to have this other guy that they really want to make a big deal out of come in and beat that guy and therefore, that guy, the heat, it's a, it's a heat transfer, they call it. They transfer the heat from the one guy to the next. Something like that. Well, all this That's guy's heat's gone. Because he dead. He dead. L- uh, Lash and the girl escape, and a short amount of time later, Tonga and Valance show up following the coordinates, only to find that this dude is dead. So they're just trying to figure out, like, what, what's going on? Like, why would he come here? Why is Lash hiding here? Did she kill him? Like, we all know what's going on. So they're just confused as hell. Uh, meanwhile, back on Galmera, Bosk has been, uh, you know, waking up from his ass kicking, only to look up and see that somebody is there. We don't see this figure. And uh, he's asking, like, hey, where'd they go? What's going on? So eventually, uh, Bosk is just, like, not cooperating. So this mysterious figure just starts, like, beating the shit out of him some more until he tells him what he wants. So now uh, we go back down to the village where Valance and Tongar are going to ask around, see if they know anyone who's maybe seen Lash or something else. Uh, meanwhile, they walk into the center of this village and I guess the people there kind of saw it coming and they like Lash. So they're like, you know what? We're going to go ahead and fight these outsiders. A couple of the local village men come out with these. That one beast thing is like, is crazy. Good thing has a, it's good thing balance has a cybernetic arm. You know what that is? That's that, that, that's that monster thing that Anakin rides in the gladiator pit in attack of the clones. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not the same thing, but something that's like it. Yeah. So if okay. you know the giant fang toothed rat thing, I know I'm great at my descriptions, right? Um, that actually, yeah, yeah. I mean that that pretty much spells yeah. it out. Uh, they've got that there, and it starts attacking them. And thank God that Valance has a cybernetic arm because that thing immediately goes for it. Uh, you know, some shooting later, some laser palms later. 
Uh, they eventually kill this thing, but just in time for... Uh, oh, well, they, they don't kill this thing. Basically, as they're about to kill it, this, this guy runs out. The guy that was talking to the hooded figure, which we learn is Lash, and he comes out and he's like, wait, she's just a cub. And he, uh, Tonga's like, yeah, well, I'm done playing fetch. I need my cyborg guy alive, so get out of the way. So the, 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 the farmer dude walks over and uh, calms down the, the giant fanged rat creature thing before they kill it. And he's like, cyborg, huh? I presume its name is Valance. And at this point, they're like, uh, yeah, how do you know who we are? And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, Lash said you would come. So now they're n- now they're figuring out that, yeah, this is the right trail. And there's a reason why now this guy seems to be cooperating and telling them where they might want to go. So now they're flying off into space and they're in the space field where you see a whole bunch of wreckage from the Clone Wars. Uh, it's like a giant space graveyard. It's pretty cool if you think about it. I always wish they would show us that. But basically, uh, Lash, I'm sorry, by show us that, I mean show us that in the movies, because right here in this, in yeah. this short page, it, it looks pretty, pretty freaking awesome. So basically, Lash and this girl have been hiding uh, on one of the wrecked ships, and as Valance and Tonga go in, they don't try and hide. They walk out, and they're like, listen, we can explain. And as everyone is pointing guns at each other, um, uh, she puts hers down and she's like, listen, let me tell you the whole story as to how your brother died and how all this shit happened. And then you can decide to kill me. So basically, back on Corellia all those years ago, that as they were about to go ahead and get into the fortress before the prince ran out and shot some person, what we find is that that person was a pregnant girl. And he's like, dun, 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 dun. yeah, so. No idea yeah. why Mario music came to my head there. So basically, Mario shot Princess Peach, who's pregnant. And that's why everyone was like, wait, why, why are you shooting that person? That person was a pregnant woman. So the pregnant woman has fallen back. She's injured. And at this point, uh, the prince is like, listen, if my father found out I have a baby with a unbroken clan blood, I'll lose everything. I will never let that happen. Not even for you. So at this point, you know. Lash is like, you can't just shoot a pregnant woman, you piece of shit. So she murders the hell out of the prince. Like, she, she blasts him. And at this point, uh, uh, Torongo, Torongo is like, uh, Nakano, what did you just do? And she's like, I, I did what I had to do. So at this point, he starts freaking out. And, you know, he starts letting everyone know that Lash screwed up the mission. So Lash is uh, going over to the woman, and she's like, who are you? And she's like, my name is uh, Corinthia, daughter of the one true ruler of the Unbroken Clan. I knew if my father found out about him that you know he was the baby's father, he'd kill him. So we made an escape plan, but obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> so at this point, Tarango's like, listen, we, we have to leave, and uh, we got to get the going The only escape now. plan that ever worked right was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sly Sloan's fantastic movie. Yep. So Lash is like, listen, you've trusted me before. Have you seen Escape Plan, Renzo? No. You probably haven't. You you have seen Wonder Woman 1984, what, seven times now? You need to see Escape Plan. It's actually a hilarious movie. When you watch Battlestar Galactica, I'll watch Escape Plan. I have to watch nine seasons of a show for you to watch a movie? I said what I said. All right, fair enough. So at this point, Tarango's freaking out, and Lash is like, listen, you've trusted me before. If we can save this girl, we can still survive. So Lash picks up this woman, and they're running. And while they're running, uh, Tarango gets blasted from a sniper. So basically, Lash didn't kill Tonga's brother. 
And at this point, they're all just trying to figure out like, okay, so like, what was the story lead to? And then they all look at the girl and realize, oh, that girl was that other princess's daughter. And Lash has been raising the daughter. And as they all really begin to see how all this stuff connects, somebody has just point blank shot Tanya in the back. Like she is dead. She's like as dead as disco. So then we go to the last page and we see the person who shot her, the person who's about to screw all this up is Boba Fett, who's standing over Tonga's body. And he's like, Lash, balance, been a while. I've come a long way to kill you. Now, this is Boba Fett. This is the Boba Fett that we did not get in the book of Boba Fett series. This is the badassery of Boba Fett. And the lack of, I don't know about lack of morals, but look, he doesn't hesitate to kill her <laughs> at all. Uh, and, and this is a different Boba Fett than we end up getting in the book of Boba Fett. But without, I, I guess, I, I guess I'm just going into criticism of the book of Boba Fett here since uh, it's already a couple months old on the Patreon. I'm not going to go on a whole rant, but we didn't really get the character progression to show us why this guy that we see on the last page here is someone we should root for. We never get that. It's, at best, it's implied that his time with the Tuscan Raiders turned him into a, a new like person. Like a bantha. But, but that's really given them a lot of credit. Anyway, that's just my side rant. But this book is, this book is badass. And this is Boba Fett. Yeah, and I, I know we're leaving you on a bit of a cliffhanger. We usually don't do that. But uh, while the next issue is kind of the end of this arc, it could very easily lead into us running into a bunch of other things. I want a clean break and for some of you to go and maybe pick up this book. So I thought this was the best part of the four, first four issues of Star Wars Bounty Hunters. So let's just I will say I was this to tell you how much I was enjoying the series. I kept going a little bit. And I, if you're going to read this, stick around issue five. That's my that's my teaser because it gets fun. I mean, it's already fun, but let's just say the the battle between Boba Fett and Bylert is is quite quite the one to watch. And uh, that's where we're going to leave you today. But for now, I guess we can go ahead and get into our ratings. Mark, go ahead and start first. Yeah, it's always hard to judge an incomplete story, but this is one that just kind of this is an ongoing series that that is still going on. So all I can judge is you know based on what we've seen and. You know, this is one of those stories that it's it has all the elements of something I, I like. I do like it. I am enjoying it. It's just not next level. You know what I mean? But, you know, you might call it Sunday read. You might call it a Remzo Sunday read category. It's an enjoyable read that you'll probably never tell anyone they must read, I, I guess I would say. So let's let's run this through the old rating meter and see see how we're looking. I will say, look, I always enjoy the art and the style of these Star Wars books. And this is this captures the art again. What is what's this guy's name here? The guy that's gonna sign your iPad with Sharpie. Yeah, yeah no, that was that was. Oh yeah, that he, no, I was gonna get the cover artist to sign my, my iPad. Good old Lee. Oh, come on, I'll never, I'll never forget Lee. I can never forget Lee. We hardly knew ye. We hardly hardly knew Lee. Uh, Lee Bermejo is the cover artist, but uh, Paolo Vianelli is the artist of this. And you know what? I'm going to name the colorist too, Arif Prianto, because colorists also need love. Um, overall, I would I, I want to give the art a 
I think it's good. I think it captures the feel and style of Star Wars and the the general and, and especially I think there are some certain panels like the a few splash pages like the one where we where Boba Fett first comes into the picture that are really well done. To me, it just falls just short of some of the best Star Wars art I've seen. Um, this is not the A team, and that's okay. Not everybody needs to be the A team, and I, I can't really say specifically what I don't like about it as much. It just I guess it feels a little too cartoony to me, just a little too like a cartoon where when I'm reading the books, I want, I want the, gr- a little bit of the grittiness of the rep of the movies more represented. And I felt like this is just a little more bright and flashy, like more like I'm watching the rebel, a rebels cartoon or something, which is not a bad thing. It's just not what I'm looking for. Yeah. Th- this was a bit more tame than even target Vader was in terms like of like the violence and the, and I was about degree. to disagree with you. having no, having no idea what you're talking about. I was just going to, I was going to agree with you to move on. Then I was like, wait a minute. No, I should clarify. What do you? Th- what? what do you well, th- like Target Vader, there was a lot more blood. It looked like a lot grittier okay. yeah. of a book, especially the first couple issues where the art was bought uh, by the same artist, where it looked a bit more noirish and gritty. Yeah, but we certainly get murder yeah. here and violence. lots of murder. That's for sure. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna give the art a three point five, and oh, let's just make this a, a classic Sunday read. I'm gonna give the writing. No, nah, screw it. I'm gonna give the writing a four. The writing. The writing. It's, it's exactly what it should be for a good Star Wars book. You know, it, it's gotten you engaged in the, in the new characters, reminds you of the old characters. They do Boba Fett really well. Um, somehow is able to really give you the backstory through the dialogue, through the flashbacks that always remain exciting and, and keep the action going. Uh, so I am going to give the writing. I almost did 3.5. I think it's worthy of a four. That brings my score to a total of 7.5. Firm, firm Sunday read category. I'm, I'm going to give it a similar score. I'm going to give the art a 3.5 because it's just good. Like it's lots of action. It's very, it's a very art driven book. And I'm going to give the story a 3.5 because it leaves enough to uh, keep you going without getting bogged down with the dialogue. But I know some people uh, might get lost here or there. And that's why it's good that they have those intro pages, those recap pages at the beginning. I, I just feel like, listen, this is not like a, a grand story in the making. This is exactly what you want. These are the, the crime stories of gangsters and bounty hunters and fighters doing what they do best in the Star Wars universe, which is killing each other. So if you want a book that's just like consistent action, this pretty much delivers it and it gives you everything you want. It's just that it's the action flick you used to watch on TNT when TNT was a cool channel. This is the perfect Sunday read. I'm giving it a total score of a seven. That gives us a combined SBC score of 7.5, which I think is almost like a 14.5. Yeah, 14.5. I I was public schooled. Uh, 14.5, which I think was pretty much what we gave. Pretty much what we gave Target Vader, which is also another good book. And I would suggest you listen to that episode where we cover the complete limited series Target Vader before this one. And, uh, you know, I hope we set it up enough so people want to go ahead and finish off the story and catch up with the series. Yeah, this is actually uh, this is a series that I've, I've heard about, seen, seen, you know, seen passing by in comic stores in the Marvel Unlimited app, limited app. And now that I've gotten into it, I, I think I will just be continuing with this one somehow, along with everything else. I, I have to watch nine seasons of Battlestar Galactica now. I'm, I'm still going through. I'm still going through the Ultimate Fantastic Four preview. Well, I'm not going to preview it. Let's just say. I'm not going to say anything. If you, you go to our Patreon, you'll find out what I currently think of where I am in the Ultimate Fantastic Four series, and it's not as excited as I was previously. That, that's all you're getting out of me. You got to pay. You got to pay the big bucks, the big fiver, to hear more about, about my current thoughts of Ultimate FF. Well, folks, that's all she wrote in the galaxy far, far away. 
then what do we say? Oh, remember, no matter what galaxy you're in, we encourage you all to read comics. And change the world! Good night, America. Wait as much as... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.